Hello, my name is Josh. I am a Norse pagan and I am the leader of the Iron Wolf Kindred. Welcome back. This is my first full episode for this podcast, which I am incredibly excited about. Originally, I had planned out reading um, the story of the origins of uh, humanity according to the Norse lore. Um, and I also wanted to delve into a little bit on Heimdall, who is the uh, one who came to us and became known as Rig, and taught us a lot of our customs and traditions that we now mimic in the Reconstruction Movement for Norse Paganism. However, I was originally going to be reading from my own personal notes, and from the Poetic Edda, uh, the Jackson Crawford edition, However, that book has mysteriously disappeared, so I'm not really sure uh, where to go. The only other book that I have on me is a uh, really messed up copy of the Asatru Edda by the, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, I hope, the Norowina Society? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I wanted to go over these stories, and there is a version of it in this book. The only reason I don't really like it is a lot of the Asatru um, ideas and concepts, especially like with the noble virtues and their own kind of take on things, are put into this book. And also, when they kind of put everything into what they believed was the chronological order of events... They didn't really include which sagas and stories it came from, so, like, I believe that all of the information on Heimdall actually comes from one that's called the Riggersmall, or Riggersmall, um, which, you know, of course, would be in its state, I think, in the Poetic Edda, um, and, uh, that's part of why I really wanted to have that is because then I'd be able to actually tell you which story it would be in, um, as opposed to this where it's been rewritten kind of their way. It does still give a lot of information, which I do like this book. And honestly, if you are kind of in a financially strapped situation and you want to get all of the stories, instead of buying the Prose Edda, and the Poetic Edda, and Germania, and, you know, all the different other books that are really good for getting all the information on this fate, or on this, uh, um, this path, um, then, honestly, if you can look past some of the Asatru biases, um, then the Asatru Edda is actually a pretty good book, because, again, they do a pretty good job of laying it out in what probably was the order of events. Um, it's put into very modern English standards, so you don't have to deal with that reading through um, Dark Age uh, English or Old Germanic, uh, you know, way of speaking, um, which does kind of make it again easier for the beginner. And so for that, I do like it, and I do give uh perps or perps to uh and i can't talk today uh giving perps to uh the noriana society for putting this together um and uh again i had this book i've had this book for a while 
Honestly, I've normally stuck to the traditional books. Um, I only got this one because I was told that it would be a really good read for me by somebody who was in a Satru. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll check it out. And I liked it because it reads like a storybook. So I think I've talked enough about the book. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading this one part. And if you get this book, then you just go to the section on um, Heimdall in it because that's how they divided it up. Is uh, It's either listed the chapter's name by the event they're talking about or by the god or goddess that is being uh, uh, mostly talked about or that the story is the main focus of. Um, but in the previous chapter to Heimdall, um, you have this very long um, chapter. It's titled The uh, Golder. Golard? Ah, oh, man, I really need to work on my Norse. Um, it's the chapter before, but it, it kind of, that's the one that goes over the creation of man by Odin and his two brothers. Um, but I'm going to start in that, but I'm actually just going to read the last section of it because it leads into Heimdall and why he's important. So, here is that. And Ash and Embla's descendants multiplied into in the fertile Aravangalan. Yet they did not know how to use fire. They had no seed corn to sow. They did not understand how to bring ore up from out of the earth, much less how to forge such things. They did not know of social bonds or laws other than those Othan had established, nor of any other Gothar than the three who created their first parents. However, they did not need many laws in the beginning, because they were honest and good-natured. But they were also easily led, and there would come a time when an evil temptress would appear among them. Thus, in order to cultivate and strengthen their good dispositions, to enlighten them and bind them to the Gothen with holy bonds, the powers decided that the humans would be sent a guide and teacher. So as I read over that, you know, um, there's a little foreshadowing there. Um, the uh, Temptress, obviously, if you know the lore, is uh, the dark goddess Golveg, and I'm going to do an entire episode on her, which will probably actually be very, very long, because I have a lot of information on her, and there are quite a bit of theories about her and various other characters that appear in the sagas that are suggested to maybe be her in a guise or her in another reincarnation because the thing with Golveg is she is immortal but not in the sense that she can't be killed or can't die but in the sense that even when she is killed and does die she seemingly just keeps coming back so um, that is who that temptress is that we are uh, talking about here and uh, I like this section because it you know basically lays it out that humanity was very ignorant in the beginning um, when Odin and his two brothers created humans really kind of 
didn't give them much guidance. I mean, they were instilled with uh, instincts, and that was enough to keep them alive for we don't know how long this period of time was. It could have been tens of thousands of years um, before Heimdall was sent. Um, and again, I, that's why I think it's a, a really good um, introduction to humanity and laying it out on, you know, like, what we have, what we are, we owe it all to the gods. Um, our traditions and our culture, this path, this Norse pagan path, it is all about the gods. Um, and, of course, the ancestors. Um, but, I mean, everything we have and everything we know how to do, according to our lore, we were taught by the gods. It wasn't like we were super smart and incredible and we just figured it out on our own, you know? Uh, we were taught. And we were taught so that way we could emulate the gods, we could be like the gods, um, and, uh, you know, really fulfill our role as their creation. Or as Odin's creation. I mean, come on, the guy is all-knowing and, you know, just really wise. I mean, you would think that he would obviously have high expectations of his children, as any father would. Um, now as we go into the Heimdall section on this deal, uh, it, it goes in and it says, Heimdall, god of the pure and holy fire. Um was chosen to be teacher of the humans soon after he was born. His father, Lothar, initiated the voyage to Midgarth and prepared him for it. And then it goes in to talk about how Heimdall is a veneer, even though he's counted amongst the Aesir, and um, it, it goes into... Um, him drinking from all the wells and getting all of the information. I mean, I've got several, several pages here. Um, you know, even him learning the runes. So, um, let me see, where's the section I actually want to go over? Should have bookmarked these. <laughs> oh little advice for anybody looking to start a podcast. Get a notebook and plan everything out in advance because improv works a little bit, but certainly having this all in order ahead of time would be a lot better. Um, but again, hey, you know what? First episode, I think I'm doing all right. Um, so, where is that? Okay. It says, Heimdall came on a ship propelled without oars, sleeping on a sheaf of grain, which has been placed at his head. To the Aravangaland, to the birthplace of waters, he was a boy of tender age, entirely unknown to the inhabitants of that land. Yet they received him, and nourished him with care. The natives of this district received him as one who had been miraculously sent to them. Because he had arrived with a sheaf of grain, they called him Sheaf. To Heimdall Sheaf grew up 
with the folk and was still a youth when he became their teacher and instructor in agriculture and all sorts of crafts. In Effenrunar and Aldrunar, when he came to manhood, they finally elected him to be their ruler and called him Rig, or Rigger. He was the one born who was greater than all, the boy empowered by Uthar Magn. He was declared a ruler, mightiest and richest, ally by kinship to all princes. Heimdall, the, war, the one born on the other side, knower of all wisdom and science. See, there's another thing where you can tell that they've inserted. Um, if you're again, if you're new to uh, Asatru uh, or, or to the Norse pagan path, and you've come into contact with Asatru, you'll know that. And uh, this is my big thing with them. They kind of do a, a really good deal of uh, dismissing magic dismissing the esoteric um, aspects of the faith and try to, you know, do this weird blend of science and faith and put it into, like, okay, our gods are all living beings, like, they're aliens somewhere, and science is just an explanation of how they did all these miraculous things in our stories and that there's just an, a, a logical explanation for it all. Everything has an explanation. Science is, is key and we can become like the gods. Um, obviously, that's batshit crazy. I mean, it's less crazy to believe in magic than to buy into that whole we can make ourselves gods idea. Um, and that's a very dangerous road that I really don't think humans should ever try to go down. Um, it's one thing to like reach for the stars and to look for new resources beyond our bounds that we are currently limited to. It is another thing to aspire for, like, godhood, because it just kind of feels like you want to be worshipped. It feels like... I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's just... It just is really creepy and scary to me, and I'm sure that many of you will agree with that. Um, but moving on... Uh, the knower of all wisdom and all sciences, I think that skills would be a better word there, came to be asked questions. An immortal among mortals, a guest among men, a companion of humans, they listened to him as to a father. The first thing he taught his children was self-control, the other was love. And when they had developed, he taught them the worth of freedom. For without freedom, he said, are all other virtues good only to make you into slaves? Heritage to everlasting shame. You know, I've read this book before, and I think it's crazy as I'm reading this section right here. And I'm sorry, folks, because I actually really just wanted to share you guys a really great story about you know, from the lore and everything, but I'm reading this book, and I mean, like, there's a lot of the Asatru, you know, Noble Nine Virtues crap in here. Um, and I mean, like, the virtues are good and all, but I just feel like they've manipulated the lore a little bit here and turned this book into a bit of some propaganda 
for them. And the, the thing with the nine virtues that they have and the way they go about promoting it is it's really nine virtues to sort of empower, you know, I'm just going to say it, to empower the white race to become greater and powerful and to restore them to some higher plane, you know, uh, existence, some reality of existence. And to, uh, um, and I mean, like, even one of the um, virtues is like, um, uh, man, I haven't really done a, a, a good job to, like, memorize it, but I, if I remember right, I think it's something like uh, preservation or something, or whatever, and if you ask them about it, like, they automatically, especially the hardcore ones, will go straight to, like, oh yeah, that's about the race, <laughs> you know, um, they've mixed ethnic preservation, or racial preservation, with a religious path, and so I would just steer clear of the nine virtues, and all of that. I'm almost tempted to just stop reading this. The point is, you know what, actually, yeah, I'm done. I need to proofread this before I go any further. It's one thing when you read these books by yourself. It's another thing when you're actually reading it out loud to people. Um, the best source. Just start with the Poetic Edda. And if you want to get the Asatru Edda, fine. Because, again, it does have all the stories... But I mean, I've read barely three pages and I've already nitpicked at it several times for, you know, Asatru propaganda and alteration in there that I don't think belongs. Um, Jackson Crossford makes a great book, The Poetic Edda. Get it and read that. Um, puts it in pretty uh, good modern um, English, so it's readable. And then, of course, I would go out and get another copy or get one from your library that goes over like that's one of maybe one of the older translations so that you can actually kind of see how it read originally and be like oh, okay um because these were all written sort of as poems they were written as a you know sort of like a poetic song kind of thing and um they're meant to be said with a lot more character and emphasis and in english we just do this this very humdrum, uh, straightforward storytelling and f focus on all the details and, and real uh, actual names and titles have to be used in order for you to like keep track of what's going on in the story. And, and back then they was, they used a lot of nicknaming and a lot of, uh, you know, invented and, um, uh, charismatic over exaggerations of deeds and titles and you know like Odin one eye and um, all father and you know like you know that's just that's just how it is it's so it's different when you read once it's been translated and, and then it reads more like how it was originally meant to be read as opposed to the Jackson Crawford edition, which, like I said, is modern English. You'll get it. You'll understand it. It's a great intro book. Um, to finish up the story of Heimdall, I'm going to just tell you off of uh, my head, because I've told it a million times um, to family, friends, and a couple of times at different gatherings that I've been to. Uh, Heimdall 
essentially comes down he becomes the king he's given the title of rig which rigor king um and he teaches them all of the traditions he teaches them how to make bread how to grow wheat how to grow corn and well not corn but you know how to grow produce and become an agricultural um people as opposed to like a hunter-gatherer you know living out in the woods picking berries kind of thing and hunting the one deer in the whole valley um <clears throat> kind of deal and this changed things for us it made us wealthy it <laughs> eliminated hunger and you know it kind of began this warrior culture because he didn't just teach us you know how to grow crops and feed ourselves he also taught us how to build strong buildings from stone and wood and how to carve and make art and do poetry and um, how to do cedar cedar I'm sorry I I was always told cedar growing up and, and I learned that it's actually cedar um, and uh, you know so we developed and came into contact with magic and healing and learned so much that is now you know like when you think of the Northmen when you think of Scandinavian culture that all were taught and gifted to us by Heimdall at the request of all the gods and goddesses in Asgard and um, one of the things that wasn't listed in that story there is the fact that before they sent Heimdall they laden that ship with shields and swords and grain and seeds and um, the uh, cattle, the domesticated cattle called the Uruk, as well as hounds and uh, sheep and goat from Asgard. And so it's also kind of brought up this theory that maybe these animals that are, um, you know, essentially always been kind of our sidekicks as long as we've been domesticating animals, you know, what if they're actually from another world or what if they're from Asgard you know these that's how they got here you know um, and uh, so that's in that story as well is him bringing those livestock and him bringing the seeds and showing them how to sow the fields and then showing them how to mine and then how to forge that uh, raw material into workable metal how to make that metal into weapons and tools and nails and whatever else that we needed and how to ride horses and throw spears and make bows and arrows that you know could be used for warfare um, all of it everything every aspect of our culture taught by Heimdall to all of the chieftains and their sons and their daughters and you know the creation of laws and the establishment of marriage and of honorable warfare and of dealing with matters of like blood feuds and war revenge and you know just all of it comes from Heimdall even our knowledge of the runes and our understanding that we were created by Odin and his two brothers um, and how that happened was taught to us by Heimdall so as you enter into this path understand that this isn't you learning some way that was created by humans in northern Europe and whatever you may have learned in some college history book or your high school mythology book 
if you're really gonna walk this path, then understand that that also involves having a different mentality and having a deep respect for the traditions and the procedures for rituals and bloats and um, for the, the high feasts and things is that these things were given to us by the gods. And that is why everything being taken seriously and done as accurately as we possibly can conduct it based on historical accounts and archaeological evidence um, yeah, it's all very important because we want to do it right we do not want to offend the gods we don't want to do it wrong um, obviously there's no surefire way but that's a, a lot of prayers have been said a lot of studying has been done and it's after all the time that people have been working to reconstruct this faith uh, I think we have a pretty good idea now here in 2021 of what this faith is really all about and how you can practice it and be in it and you know embrace this way of life and have it change your entire mentality have it change your entire outlook on life and on death and on your interactions with the outside world and you know because it's a common place you'll see it all the time especially in the social media groups people drop this little saying they don't actually usually follow it but the saying is um, the uh, uh, it's not a faith it's not a religion it's a way of life um, and that is a completely true statement um, it's not some um, but then at the same time it's that's a little controversial because um, I, I think it would be more like oh just like a blind faith it's a way of life that would be a better saying because religion is a word that means to bind one's to oneself to well when you enter this faith you bind yourself to the gods you make your oaths when you join kindreds you make oaths and um, so you are binding yourself to it and you're binding yourself to this way of life so in that sense yes Norse paganism is a religion and it's a way of life. Now we're getting pretty close to that 30 minute mark um, that I said I was going to try and maintain as best as I could. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it off um, and I hope the best for all of you, that fate will smile on you and as always, hail the gods, hail the ancestors, and hail the Iron Wolf Kindred. And speaking of the Kindred, before I go, if you're interested in learning more about the Kindred, uh, outside of what I may talk about on the podcast, check us out. We have a Facebook group called Iron Wolf Kindred, and then we also have an Instagram called Iron Wolf Kind, well called the Iron Wolf Kindred. So you can go to Instagram and put in at the Iron Wolf Kindred, and you'll see it. Click on it follow you'll see our posts our pictures and everything and uh that way you can um see what we're up to um and you know we're planning to put together some events in the future we're attending other kindreds events at this time um and we're looking at doing a yule uh in january and um because we go off the lunar calendar 
uh, for establishing holidays. And, um, and I'll have to talk about that in an episode as well and explain why we do that. We don't use like the solar calendar and stuff that's used by Wicca and Asatru and all of that. Um, but so we're looking at doing that. And then of course the Kindred is main goal um, was that we were one going to create this positive community focused on Norse paganism. But also we want to build a Kindred Hall. You know, a, a Mead Hall, a Jarlshof, whatever you want to call it. Um, we want to build it. And we want to hold feasts in it. These these three main feasts and then all some of the other little gatherings as well. And we want to have a large sum of land and we want to start building hofs to each of the gods and goddesses. And put together like a really large worship center that... You know, I think ideally what we what we're aiming for, what I'm aiming for, at least to push for, is a site that puts shame to really like all other heathen sites that have ever existed. Like we want to have something that's grand and big and, and worthy of the modern era. You know, because there's so many of us, and I think when this thing kicks off, that our numbers are just going to grow. And that in this modern world, we're going to end up having more heathens practicing than ever were during the height in the, you know, um, the pre or right or leading right up to the Viking era. Um, and uh, I, I think that that's exciting. And so we obviously want to have a really big worship center where, you know, people can come their patron god or goddess or whatever, they got a hof there. They can go to see Freya in her hof. They can go down to the groves and talk to the, uh, and leave offerings at the shrines for the uh, Elfar and, um, you know, really uh, tend to all of the gods and goddesses and even all the little shield maidens and handmaidens and uh, the uh, heroes of the sagas to you know memorialize them and um you know this is it's, it's just a really great I idea it's really big it is inspired by odin um and i again i'll talk about that in a another episode in the future about my vision and experience with odin and him scaring the ever-loving shit out of me um and, and uh pushing me into the uh place where i am now where i'm running a kindred and i'm trying to build this hall so that's what's up with the Iron Wolf Kindred. Follow us, check us out, and if you haven't subscribed already to this podcast and you're just listening to it, please hit that subscribe button so you catch the next episode. I hope that you thought this one was worth it enough and good enough that you're going to listen to the next one. So again, thank you. Hail the gods. Hail the ancestors. Hail the Iron Wolf Kindred. <laughs>